Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we get you ready for the Hawks game against the Philadelphia 76ers, talk about the Hawks' dramatic win against the Mavericks, and also talk about the Hawks' interview series where they had Grant Hill talk to Vince after the victory over the Dallas Mavericks. Without further ado, let's get into it. The Hawks head up tonight to play the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Hawks are coming off a 111-107 win over the Mavericks, while the 76ers are coming off a 98-119 loss to the Bucks. The 76ers are playing on a back-to-back while the Hawks have had one day of rest, and one thing to look at just at this game is the 76ers are insane at home. They're 26-2 at home and play really their best basketball there. The 76ers won't be at 100%. Ben Simmons is out, and Tobias Harris is listed as questionable. So the 76ers are really going to rely on their big men, Joel Embiid. The Hawks are not at 100% either. They do get DeAndre Hunter back after him missing the Mavericks game, but they're going to be without DeAndre Bembry, who's still dealing with an abdominal injury. Kevin Chouillard brought up a good point that um, Bembry had to deal with this injury as well about two years ago. Um, and it took a little while for Benry to get 100% back, so we don't know when DeAndre is going to be back from that injury. And then Clint Capella and Scala Bissier are both continue to be out, and they're going to be re-evaluated now in about a week, a ha- week and a half. The 76ers, again, they are 35-22 and 22 overall for fifth in the East, and they're just a really awesome defensive team. Um, they hold opponents to the third fewest points per game. And they're an awesome rebounding team. They do a really good job of getting their own rebounds, getting defensive rebounds, and limiting the number of defensive rebounds that the other team gets. The other thing that the 76ers are really good at is limiting the number of three-point opportunities for the other team. So the Hawks are really going to have to work to get their three-point shooting um, up, to get those shots up and to convert those. But Without Ben Simmons, this is going to be a very different-looking 76ers team than when the Hawks played them last time. The Hawks won that game 127-117. to 117. Trey had 39 points and 18 assists. The 76ers have not shown any ability to be able to guard Trey, and it'll be interesting to see who the 76ers throw at Trey in this game. Uh, the 76ers did shore up their bench a little bit before the trade deadline. They got Alex Burks and... Glenn Robinson III, both from the Warriors, who are wing defenders um, that really solidified their bench, and I bet we would see a lot more of them in this game. And it'll be interesting to see who the 76ers use to try to guard Trey and prevent him from really tearing them up. Um, again, they're going to be focused on Embiid, at least on the offensive side of the ball. The Hawks will get to see Al Horford in, the, in this game, who they didn't in the last matchup, um, and Josh Richardson, who was out. So, This is going to be a little bit of a different team than the Hawks played in the last game against the 76ers. Uh, But also, Ben Simmons is one of the best defenders in the NBA, and the 76ers not having him to throw at Trey Young is going to be... um, That's going to be a disadvantage for the 76ers. The Hawks are coming off this wonderful win against the Mavericks, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But the Hawks have a lot of confidence coming out of this All-Star break, winning two games, both at home for sure. Um, but two games where they trailed and then were able to hang on and come back. I think um, Cam Reddish 
Trey and John Collins are playing with an extreme amount of confidence. And then now the Hawks, Damian Jones is not in the Hawks rotation right now, who was in the rotation when the Hawks were able to get that win. Um, the Hawks now have Dwayne Dedman and Bruno Fernandez even playing a little bit more with John Collins getting uh, any other center minutes that the Hawks have. So this is going to be a fun matchup. I think the 76ers are going to be extremely motivated to get a win, especially after getting blown out by the Bucks last night. And the Hawks are going to have to continue to prove that they can be consistent. It's nice that they've gotten a little two-game. I don't know if you call that a win streak more than just a line segment. But um, the Hawks are going to have to continue to prove that they're, they can be a consistent winning team. And this is a really tough spot to go up to Philadelphia and get a win. Like I said, the Philadelphia 76ers are extremely good at home. I think that uh, Joel Embiid in particular plays extremely well at home because he has a little bit of a uh, relationship with the fans that isn't your typical star fan relationship. The fans have been a little bit critical of Joel, and Joel has fed into that. And um, there's a little bit of back and forth where he kind of challenged the fans, and the fans challenged him back. And then even Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat got into it and said, uh, you know, if they're calling you a villain up there, we have a place for you that's, that welcomes villains. But um, the stadium that the Philadelphia 76ers have and that team plays extremely well there. And it's going to be tough in these games at home, both the Mavericks game and the Heat game. The Hawks were able to overcome kind of slow starts and even really poor performances for three quarters of a game and get wins. They were able to get, keep the fans energized in the stadium and I think really use the uh, fans' energy to get the, both of those wins. So going on the road is a completely different, um, completely different experience. I think especially for guys like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, it's going to be an interesting experience just because Cam really played well those last two games. And then DeAndre Hunter's coming back. He's from Philadelphia. So it's always interesting. It's always exciting to see guys go back home and play at their – at their home cities and uh he's coming back again after not playing against the Mavericks but I would expect this to be a high scoring game well I, in order for the Hawks to win I would think that they need to score a lot of points the 76ers are pretty deliberate without Ben Simmons at of the pace of their games and they're a very good defensive team other uh, 76ers that the Hawks need to worry about at least defensively Matisse Thibel, the rookie, has been really good for the 76ers. In the absence of Ben Simmons, Furkan Korkmaz has come up and been really well, done really well at shooting three-pointers and kind of filling in at that um, spacer position that Ben Simmons didn't give the 76ers. And then Josh, uh, Josh Richardson, who we didn't see in Atlanta, is a great defender and a nice uh, ball handler for the 76ers. Of course, going against Al Horford, it's going to be interesting to see if the 76ers play Embiid and Horford together. Uh, going big may pose some problems for the Hawks, but the 76ers are a huge team in general, and so the Hawks are going to have to figure out matchups that work for the Hawks, especially we might get a lot of time where we get Cam, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter all on the court at the same time just because those wings kind of give the Hawks an opportunity to switch. I won't get into it too much right now because, again, I'll talk about it in a segment about the Mavs game, but the Hawks had extreme success with the zone look against the Mavs. I don't know that we'll see that much against the 
uh, 76ers because Embiid is such a problem inside. But uh, it's going to be I'm to see if Coach Pierce continues to change up defensive looks or what he does to kind of get his team energy if there's parts of this game where the Hawks aren't as energized is something that uh, I'm going to continue to monitor just because it really worked against the Mavericks. The Hawks didn't have anything going, and that zone defense really seemed to spark the Hawks um, going forward and slow down the Mavericks. So seeing what he can do against the 76ers is something that could really change the matchup. Lloyd Pierce has done extremely well against his old team. He was an assistant coach for the 76ers. Um, and the Hawks have played the 76ers extremely well since Lloyd Pierce has come to Atlanta. So we'll look for that to continue tonight. What a game by the Atlanta Hawks. They cut, went out and got a 111 to 107 victory over the Dallas Mavericks. Um, kind of a little bit of this juice was lost from this game when it was noted that Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis were not going to play. And then the first play of the game, Jalen Brunson went up for a layup, makes a layup, and Deadman fouls him pretty hard. And Jalen Brunson, the starting point guard for the Mavericks, isn't able to complete the game. Um, so a really weird game where the Mavs took advantage at the beginning, opened the game with 35 points in the first quarter. But the Hawks were able to hang around, kind of only be down 10. They never let the game get out of hand. There are a couple opportunities where the Mavs had a 16-point lead, but the Hawks were able to keep the game kind of within that 10-point range and come out with the victory. There's some big performances on the Hawks' side of the ball. The first one is just John Collins, 35 points, 17 rebounds. Um, was just really everything keeping the Hawks together. He made all of his three-pointers. Unfortunately, those were all in the first half. I wish he had taken a couple more. But the Mavs were super small without Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and John Collins took advantage. The Mavs were also very deliberate in their coverage of Trey Young, and he didn't get going at all in the first half. The uh, Mavericks were double-teaming him, throwing a bunch of different long defenders on Trey, whether that be Michael K. Gilchrist, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, DeLon Wright, who had to come in for Jalen Brunson when he left, Dorian Finney-Smith. The Mavs were very deliberate in making sure that someone was already always guarding Trey. And even when Trey was off ball and at like the logo in the half-court set, Tim Hardaway Jr. was face-guarding Trey. They were trying to not let Trey get 50 points like he had the game before against the Heat. That just really allowed for John Collins to go crazy and he took advantage, which is what you want to see um, out of your top two guys. When Trey Young didn't really have it going, John Collins was right there. Cam Reddish had a really nice game and was part of the group that kept the Hawks in it in the first half. He finished the game with 20 points. Um, he got to the free throw line nine times, which is awesome. He was very aggressive going to the basket. He made eight of those nine free throws. Um, he had three steals. And his length is a problem for especially small guards like J.J. Barrea and Seth Curry. Uh, Kevin Herter didn't have his best game, especially on the offensive end of the ball. He only made one three-pointer. That Those were his only points of the game. But he really brought it on the defensive end of the ball. He had four steals, and I thought he did a good job of staying engaged um, in a game where his offensive shot was falling. It's For young players especially, I think it's hard to sometimes stay in a game when you don't think you're contributing on the offensive side of the ball and if you do that you're really hindering your team obviously but uh 
I didn't see much hanging of his head or anything like that. Kevin Herter just continued to contribute on the defensive side of the ball, and he had a nice poke away on DeLon Wright at the end of the game, and he had a couple of really nice defensive moments that led to points for the Hawks. He also had six assists, and so on a night where he didn't have it going offensively, he was just one of 11 from the field, he was able to have a positive impact. None of the Hawks was really able to get going from three-point land. They finished the game 8 of 37 for 22%, 21.5%. In a game like that, you'd think the Hawks have no chance. Um, and Trey, in particular, also didn't have a great night shooting. He was just 3 of 8 from the three-point line. But his three three-pointers were huge, and you can uh, probably guess what quarter they came in. It was definitely the fourth quarter when Trey, Trey got going and helped this team pull out a win. Um, I do want to mention also Travion Graham. The Hawks really had no answer for the Mavs in this first half. And Travion Graham came in and was a very positive impact. The Mavs went super small. And so the Hawks had to get away from both Dwayne Dedman and John Collins being in the game at the same time. And they went to Travion Graham. And Travion was a very positive uh, spark on the defensive side of the ball. He also made a three-pointer um, but and wasn't a total just nothing on offense but that is a part of the game that he could still has to get better at he he was doing a good job on the rebounds um and he even got to the free throw line but he miss, missed both of his free throws um and the Hawks as a team did not do a good job on the free throw line going 17 of 26 but which would have made this game a lot easier to win and a lot more comfortable for the Hawks but Trayvon Graham definitely provided a spark off the bench and it was good to see him have a Real positive effect on the Hawks on the defensive side of the ball. For the Mavericks, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a monster game, 33 points. He was 6 of 14 from three-point land. He got to the free-throw line seven times, made five of those. Did have two misses at the free-throw line in the fourth quarter, which were was big for the Mavs. Um, and then Seth Curry. Seth Curry was 4 of 9 from three-point land, into the game with 22 points. Um, but those two really hurt the Hawks, and it felt like in the beginning that the Mavs were just going to run away with this game. They had 10 threes in the first six minutes of the game. 10 threes they had attempted. They made like five of them. And I was like, oh, God. I mean, if the Mavs are going to hit all these threes, this is going to be a replay of the game that happened in Dallas where the game was really close kind of on all statistical fronts, but the Mavs just won the three-point shooting game. Um, the Mavs cooled off. And Lloyd Pierce get, should get a little bit of credit for having the Hawks go to a matchup zone in the second quarter. This matchup zone, if there's a part of the game to go back and watch, it's both in the fourth quarter and the second quarter where the Hawks went to this zone. And the Hawks, when they first went to it, were flying around. It wasn't just a straight zone, and it kind of threw the Mavs, it definitely threw the Mavs off. And one thing it did, it just made sure that the Hawks always had somebody near three point shooters and someone was always going to be close by to at least challenge the shot after that first quarter when the Mavs went crazy um, the Hawks just had to do something to slow them down a little bit not just maybe not stop the shots but just slow them down and the uh, the zone really worked I thought and it kept all the guys engaged again just to see the bigs flying around and the guys rotating in this zone was pretty incredible um, there's a moment where John gets at to the top of the zone and Trey's at the bottom of it but the Hawks were flying around, and it threw the Mavs off enough for the, that allowed the Hawks to get in and con- compete in this game. Um, a really big part of this game is the Hawks gave up 66 points in the first half, and they only gave up 41 points in the second half. 
And I thought they just really did a good job of locking in in the second half and just playing a lot better defense. Um, they, John Collins was asked after the game, you know, what happened? Did anything specifically, did Lloyd Pierce say anything to y'all to get y'all to lock in? And uh, John Collins just said, you know, we knew we could guard the Mavericks. It was just about um, sticking to our details and, and really getting back out there and just you know, showing it rather than just knowing we could defend them. And they did a lot better job in that second half. I think also uh, the Hawks just, they started to turn the ball over, turn the Mavericks over a little bit. And a team that normally doesn't turn the the ball over a lot and the Mavericks ended up turning it over 16 times, which is not normal for the Mavericks. Of course, they didn't have Luka Doncic, who's a great ball handler and their primary decision maker when he's in the game. But the Hawks took advantage of that and was able to score 26 points off those 16 turnovers. So just a really nice game from the Hawks. And a game, again, going into the fourth quarter, the Hawks were down 11. And the Hawks really did a nice job of scoring points on the offensive side of the ball and then making the Mavs take tough shots, contested shots, um, on the other end. And the Mavs certainly just missed some shots that they were making in the first half. Uh, Maxi Kleba, who I think was one of the best players for the Mavericks. He played 30 minutes, only ended up with nine points, but he had a couple of blocks. He had five blocks in this game, which is kind of incredible. Specifically, Trey could not figure out a way to get around Maxi Kleba when he got switched onto him on the offensive side of the ball. And I think a big part of this game was Maxi Kleba fouled out. Um, but he missed a couple of corner threes that he made in the first half, and the Hawks were able to chip away. And then you just get uh, Trey Young doing Trey Young things in the fourth quarter, having a couple of threes, especially important ones that felt like put the Hawks up by enough to secure the game. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. came back and banks in a three to tie the game, or Seth Curry makes a transition three. Um, But it was a battle in the fourth quarter. It became really exciting with about four minutes to go after being a 10-point difference in the game the entire time. Suddenly this was a back-and-forth game. And John Collins had already been going. Trey Young started to get going. One really big turning point, I think, was uh, the Hawks scored a basket. Um, the Mavs came down. Cam got his hand into a passing lane. And then this time, instead of being a steal and a slam like he did against Goran Dragic, he had the steal, and he was all alone. There wasn't any challenge at all. And he just threw this massive dunk down. And Cam had a really nice game getting to the basket, being aggressive, but his three ball wasn't shooting, falling at all. He went 0, from six, 0 for 6 from three-point land and you know cam has been known to show his emotions on the court and after his last three-pointer he really kind of hung his shoulders and it was uh like oh no here goes cam despite having such a wonderful game on both sides of the ball is he kind of gonna lose lose his confidence because his three ball isn't shooting isn't falling and uh he was able to get that steal and that dunk just felt cathartic in the stands I can't imagine how it felt for him to throw it down and it was a massive dunk he threw it down with force um and it kind of felt like a tipping point and it just brought the game it wasn't something that brought the game even to like within six it was to just bring the game within nine points at single digits there's a little bit of a psychological bump there not being down double digits but it felt like a, a little bit of a moment just him getting that making that dunk and it's like all right the Hawks are now in this game and John had an awesome reaction off the bench and the Hawks were able to go on a little bit of a run and get some shots to fall. Um, it was just really nice. Teague was involved in that fourth quarter, getting to the basket. 
and they got some fouls on again getting Maxi Kleber to foul out of this game was huge he had been a big problem blocking shots and the Hawks were able to get him out the game and then eventually uh, score a lot of the points that put them ahead at the basket so it, if the Hawks can keep games close they have players like John Collins and Trey Young who want the big moment and want to score um, but keeping it close and getting there is a can sometimes feel like a Herculean effort but um, again, this game went back and forth under the last four minutes, and it felt like, you know, oh, there's a couple chances where the Hawks are going to get this win. They tie the game, and when Trey hit a four-point play, misses the free throw, again, the Hawks are not good at the free throw line, and THJ comes down and banks in a three, you're just like, all right, the Hawks have fought all the way back, but are they not going to be able to get this win? It'll be pretty brutal, and the Hawks held on. Um, got the win, and it, it was just a very nice two-game start post-All-Star break to get that 111-107 win and, uh, you know, go into Philadelphia with some momentum. The Hawks have had, it's been widely reported that the Hawks have one of the easier schedules going into the second half of the season or the second, the third, third, or whatever you want to call the post-All-Star break. But their first three games are pretty tough going Miami, Mavericks, and Philadelphia 76ers. And for the Hawks to get two of the three with a chance of sweeping those is uh, really big for this young team. So I commend Lloyd Pierce on being able to get the the Hawks in a position to win and, and being willing to change up what's what's going on to get some new energy. I think one of the big things about the trade deadline is the Hawks now have a full rotation of guys where Lloyd Pierce can kind of put a person in, and if that person's not working that night, whether it be Teague or Goodwin, Cam, or Kevin Herter, if that person's not working, he has other reliable guys to go to. He doesn't have to go to Damian Jones. He doesn't have to put Evan Turner in there. There are a bunch of different players um, who are all of at least NBA-quality players to go in and um, see who can provide a spark. And I think going forward, you're going to see a lot of Trey Young and John Collins. Those are the two really consistent players, just guys you know who are going to deliver. And then if you can get one guy to pop off out of the other uh, guys around him, the Hawks can get a win that way. So it was nice to see that formula work at least for another game here in Dallas. Again, at the end of the game, there was the call where Trey is going. The Hawks are up two. Deadman has a great defensive stand on Tim Hardaway Jr., who had been kind of getting to the free throw line at will and is able to block his shot without fouling him. The Hawks have the ball up two. Trey goes to the basket. Um, in real time, it definitely looked like a goaltend, but the ball comes off. John Collins doesn't hesitate at all. There's no co- sort of like release or um, relaxation because the officials blew the whistle. John Collins goes up immediately and puts the ball in, and um, the officials call the goaltend, and they go and review it. And because John Collins grabbed the ball and immediately put it up, there was, wasn't really anything that the refs, you know, even when the, they found that the goaltend wasn't a goaltend, John Collins had already put the ball up, so it wasn't like a jump ball situation or um, any sort of situation where the Mavs would have gotten the balls. It's going to be interesting. I highly doubt that the NBA does anything with this challenge from the Mavericks, but the Hawks didn't didn't stop. They played through the entire game, even through a whistle, and they were able to get a win. It's great. The stadium was fantastic. Everybody was on their feet for the entire fourth quarter. The stadium gets super loud. Again, the Chick-fil-A 
foul shot promotion where if a opposing player misses two free throws, if an opposing player misses the first free throw in the fourth quarter, they're going to get about as loud an environment as you're going to get anywhere. Um, and State Farm does a great job of that. And then for these fans to stay, again, like I said, some I had a fan in front of me leave because the Hawks just didn't seem to have it that night. But the majority of fans stayed, um, and it was just awesome for the Hawks to come out, get a win. Trey, again, to put on a performance in a game he didn't seem to have it. He just ends up with 25 points. Um, he had 10 assists. A couple of his assists just ridiculous. Uh, one of them, while the Hawks were fighting back into it, he is clearly, he has John in the corner and Deadman is cutting to the basket. Everybody's looking at John Collins and with his left hand, just with his left hand, throws a bullet pass to Deadman who gets a dunk. Um, his vision, Trey's vision is just incredible, but um, just a really nice win from the Hawks. And that's what you want to see from a young team. Again, going forward into this game against Philadelphia, I want to see some consistency. Uh, the Hawks fell behind in both of these first two games after the All-Star break, and so if they could get a little bit of a lead or not be down the entire game except for the fourth quarter, that might help a little bit. But the Hawks have shown an ability to fight and fight and try to get a win no matter what um, so far after the All-Star break, which has been a ton of fun to watch. Finally, after the game, the Hawks had a nice little interview between Grant Hill and Vince Carter. Grant was just asking Vince about his career, how he was able to last so long in the NBA. And it was just a really nice environment to hear Vince, especially after a win, talk about his career and some of the moments of their careers cross paths and just in general how he's been able to last so long in the NBA. He talked about how you know, people have asked him how he's lasted so long. Is there some sort of checklist, whether it's 15 steps or whatever? And he said, yes, it, there is that checklist, but he is very deliberate about going through each of those steps. And if you skip over any of those steps, you're not going to be able to last for 22, 22 years. Um, there are some hilarious anecdotes. Grant Hill told the story of they both live in Florida. They're in the same neighborhood and him and his Grant and his daughter were driving and they saw Vince Carter's significant other running and she's running in perfect form and seems to be doing well and they continue to drive a little further down the road and there's Vince and he seems to be just dying um, not able to you know just doesn't seem in quite the same shape and Grant tells his daughter oh I think Vince is done and this was six years ago and Vince has obviously been able to continue to play at a pretty high level um, and Vince laughed about that they talked about Vince's dunk competitions, how he came up with his dunks, uh, also him getting Tracy McGrady to be part of the dunk contest. Uh, Grant asked him questions about like who are some of the toughest players that Vince had to guard or you know play against, and Vince was like, "Oh, besides you, Grant." And Grant got out his wallet and like took out some money and gave it to Vince. But it was a really nice setting. Um, and it was cool to see two, you know, two Grant, a former player, and Vince, still a player, talk about the NBA and just their experience going through it. Um, and, and Vince's uh, experience, just he's been in the league 22 years now, and I'm um, getting to hit, hear him tell stories about his dunk over the seven footer in the Olympics or what even the Olympics meant for him and how he doesn't have his gold me medal, his mom does. And 
when he was young he didn't really he gave it to his mom at, after he won it in the Olympics and now as he's gotten older he's like well I would like to have my gold medal um it was just a wonderful little uh event that the Hawks did after the game which I thought was very nice to let anybody in the stadium who wanted to listen to this uh could could come and, and listen to this interview and they went on for about 45 minutes and, and just hit you know Grant Hill and Vince Carter going back and forth um which was really, really nice uh, and like kind of eye-opening to hear some of these stories going back and forth and just Vince being able to talk about what has changed in the NBA and how it's gotten a little less physical but a lot faster um, and what has allowed him to stay in the league as a former superstar who's really transitioned to be a role player slash mentor for these young guys and how his relationship with Trey has uh, grown and what he's trying to foster onto some of these other young guys that the Hawks have in their locker room. It was also interesting to hear him talk about how he doesn't, he's very deliberate about where he even sits on the bench because he doesn't want to take anything away from Lloyd Pierce, who is also 43 years old. Um, and just interesting to hear, you know, both Grant Hill and Vince, one who went to UNC and one who went to Duke, you know, kind of give it to each other on that regard and their colleges and um, also talk about how Vince Carter said his coach Dean Smith prepared him for the NBA and how he's had a lot of very good veterans who've given him invaluable advice going forward about how to stay in the league and how he wants to pass that advice on Um, but it was a really cool event again I think the Hawks did an awesome job allowing anyone in the stadium who wanted to stay and listen to two old NBA you know really stars guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame talk it was just incredible and uh there's a recording of the uh Q&A up on YouTube and I would definitely recommend go going and listening to it Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me, Forrest Willoughby, at kettlecast at gmail.com. And if you could leave a rating or review on whatever platform you use to get your podcast, that would be a big help to me. And if you could also share this podcast with any of your friends who big NBA fans or basketball fans, that would be a huge help. Go Hawks!